Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared. I'm Fred Hooper. This week coming to you from Tonga, working closely with Pacific Prepared reporters to see what's happening on the ground and what people are talking about when it comes to natural disasters and climate change. On today's show, we'll talk to a reporter from Tonga, find out what it's like reporting on natural disasters and climate change and how communities are thinking about natural disasters and what they're saying about climate change. We'll hear more about heavy rain that's been happening in Samoa and how some Pacific countries are trying to diversify their food crops to fight against natural disasters. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe. We have built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. In certain parts of the world, natural disasters are part of life. Cyclones, earthquakes, tornadoes, typhoons. But imagine if your job was to tell everyone about it. To let people outside of your country know what was happening. I I actually got that... um like uh, recently from last year when we had that volcanic eruption. Malia Gutenbeel is a journalist with TBC Tonga. Getting that story out to the whole world. Um, you know, we have Tongan communities in New Zealand and Australia, and especially our seasonal workers, they were very, very much concerned. They thought, you know, everyone in Tonga died. But uh, having a Tonga Broadcasting Commission go online, so we were the, we were the only one um, uh, radio station that was uh, operating during that time. And so everyone was tuning in, oh, what is happening in Tonga? And so I think we had a... Uh, it was a perfect opportunity for us, uh, the news reporters here at Tonga Broadcasting Commission, to tell stories of what's happening here in Tonga. Um, Tonga is okay. We're just uh, struggling financially and trying to recover from, from the impacts. But uh, it was, um, you know, we, we, we kind of feel pressured because, you know, once we get it out to the Pacific and the world, um, our families, uh, Tongan families overseas, they will panic. You know, they'll be like, oh, we, sh- we need to send more drums to Tonga. We need to send money to Tonga. But uh, what they didn't know is uh, Tonga was recovering well. They were okay. It was just had to deal with cleaning the ash fall off the rooftops and everything. But other than that, they were, um, they were okay. Only in terms of um, mental health, they were affected uh, mentally, especially those who are living by the coastal areas and in the outer islands. They were the ones mostly um, affected. And so us here in the uh, Tonga Broadcasting Commission, we also had a, a team. They went out to the islands because uh, with the impacts from the eruption, the underwater, the network, 
was disconnected. Yeah. So no one could, none of our phones were working. Um, everything was off. The internet was down. And so the only thing that was connected was the radio. And so fortunately for us, that was a perfect opportunity for us to um, go out and uh, be able to get the voices from Ha'apai and uh, the outer islands that were mostly affected from, from that uh, yeah. devastation. What sort of natural disasters have you covered working in Tonga? Um, the natural disasters that I have covered uh, while, co- while working here in Tonga as a news reporter, uh, basically uh, cyclones. So, you know, in 2018, we had that uh, um, Category 5 that was uh, downgraded to a Category 4 cyclone, Cyclone Gita. And so the impact was huge. And so I, we kept reporting on that, like, every single day for, like, uh, many, several months. And so that was um, – and then climate change, we had those um, coastal areas that they installed foreshores um, to protect them from sea level rise and all that. And uh, during my time here in Tonga Broadcasting Commission, also on um, especially sea level rise and also – but basically natural disasters is uh, tsunamis and the uh, cyclones. And the first ever volcanic eruption was last year. And uh, with that eruption – we were covering that. Uh, I think that was the most one that we covered that went for almost a year. We had uh, different angles covering on health issues because of the ashfall, um, covering on the agriculture sector, on the marine sector. And so it was very various uh, angles that we came from, um, including mental health on, on people. And so every single day we had to, um, there was an, a story that was covered from the Hunga Tonga, Hunga Hapai eruption, and that went on for like almost a year. Yeah. And how do you feel when you go in some of those communities and you see the, the, the coastal inundation or rising sea levels in communities, how do you feel? Because you, you live in these communities as well, it's mm-hmm. probably affecting you and your family too. Uh, how do you sort of deal with that as a journalist and how do you feel when you go to those communities? I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie if I say that I'm um, very much devastated with uh, our... Um, situation here in Tonga, I mean, it's nothing much we can do about it. It's, uh, we're, we're a small country and all we do is uh, live with the impacts of climate change every single day. But uh, to be honest, I feel very, very, very sad, you know, that my country for the next 10 to 15 years might be, might be gone or, you know, 50 years from now, there will be no Tonga and I, I'm, won't be able to call Tonga my home for the next 50 years or so because the beautiful country that you see now might disappear. So that is um, very, very um, um, a sad situation with for us here in Tonga. And as a news reporter, to, to try and be able to voice that out to the world to know that uh, Tonga is, is very vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. Yeah, that must be, must be difficult then to go and cover stories when you, you're thinking about Tonga and that it might disappear, essentially. Yeah, um, I cannot, um, you know, living with the fact that so many years from now, the place I call home won't be here for for a longer time, you know, because just because from the impacts of climate change. And and so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, by the time maybe 50 years, I'll still be able to call this beautiful country my home, that it won't disappear from the face of the earth. How does climate change get talked about around Tonga, do you know, like with your friends and family, with your colleagues? How does climate change get talked about and on what level? 
like sometimes when you talk about it on the news a lot of times and um, sometimes when they have those programs you know oh it's the climate change week or it's the environment week that's when people just kind of learn about climate changes um, and so do you think that people know about or, or are educated about climate change very much. Uh, uh, people, I think the only people that know so much about climate change are those working in the environment sector here in Tonga and also students because they learn about the environment in, in school. I would say um, the youth, they know much about climate change. And the fact that we always put it on the news, it's, uh, it, it happens to be a climate change fatigue. You know, the more you talk about it, the more people are, oh, okay, here we go again with climate change. Do you feel that there's a good understanding of what's happening on the ground when it comes to natural disasters and climate change outside of the Pacific? Do you think that people in other countries understand what it's like? That's that's very difficult for you know people to know about uh, such a small country. Sometimes they're like, oh, it's just a small country, why why bother? You know, if they disappear, why bother? But uh, one thing they they need to know is uh, this is our home, you know. For 10,000 uh, people here in Tonga, this is our home and we would like to live in our homes for a long time. Um, and uh, people outside of the Pacific, they do not know much about that because they are living in the comfort of the homes. They are not uh, very much affected by climate change as we are. So to bring that into perspective of people outside the Pacific, they do not know much. But all we can do is uh, present and publish and broadcast news on Tonga. I think the only time that they knew about Tonga was last year from the eruption. That was it. But then now that the eruption has subsided, uh, not much people know more about Tonga. So I don't know, maybe Tonga needs to disappear for people in the Pacific to know that this is really serious. And then they could talk, oh, we should have done something about it. or We should have assisted Tonga on this and this and this, but it's too late. So, you know, it's something for them to be aware of and the time is now for them to, if they want to reach out and assist Tonga, this is the only time. Um, Ten years from now, it's, it will be too late. So that, that must be a huge challenge though. How do you, how do you make that, that stories then relevant to people who are outside the Pacific and not just relevant but so that they can really understand what it's like here? Well, the, the thing with the stories that we covered on climate change is really get to the people. They are the core, um, you know, they're the most important one. If they're affected, then of course, their voices matter. The time to prepare is now, not right before an emergency. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. When there's a natural disaster, all kinds of things are impacted, including food supplies. And it's obviously bad for communities who need their food, but also for the farmers. The Tongan government have been working on ways to help farmers to grow stronger crops, crops that can cope better during a natural disaster, like a cyclone or a flood. Dr Viliami Manu is the Minister for Agriculture in Tonga, and he explains exactly how they're trying to diversify these crops. From uh, direction since uh, uh, early 2000, uh, from FAO and uh, regional organizations like the uh, Pacific community. Um, the target was to increase the biodiversity, the genetic biodiversity of our food crops as a, as a, a weapon against uh, the changes in, uh, in uh, cyclones and uh, drought. 
because lately the number and the intensity of both cyclone, cyclones and drought have been increasing since the last 20 years. How do those events, those natural disasters, impact the food supply in Tonga? Uh, the uh, cyclones uh, would affect most of the tree crops, bananas, plantain, uh, uh, coconut, breadfruit, and at least uh, have a, a lesser impact on the uh, annual food crops, mostly root crops, style of the summer. But on the trout, uh, the uh, root crops, annual root crops, will be much affected uh, relative to the tree crops. So in any yeah. disaster, if you have a, a traditional uh, farming a farm, you'll be um, assured of, of, of your food security. Why is it particularly important with, um, with root crops? Uh, what's the difference between root crops and crops that flower in terms of how they diversify themselves? Uh, thank you. Most of our wood crops uh, has been cultivated since uh, uh, the last 200 years from from uh, either branches or cuttings uh, or plants from cover, um, uh, yams and, and cassava. So uh, what happens the uh, the narrow, the chin bank of each wood crops are very narrow. So it's very vulnerable to the new challenges of increasing temperature and the rising sea levels. So it will have a, 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 a the vulnerability increases with the uh, lesser amount of genetic material that we have. So by bringing in obviously different plants from different countries that can help to diversify that sort of gene pool. That's true. Our, we got a, a seed center the Pacific community in Fiji, they got a center. So they uh, provide us with uh, tissue culture, planting material of sweet potatoes, of most root crops. And now they have uh, tried to increase it to vanilla and also carbon. So. My name is uh, Tina Dubo. I'm from Langatawa. Now you, you produce or you grow a lot of food. What do you grow on your farm? Uh, I need joint food, taro, cassava, um, yams, taro leaves, everything like that. That's a very big problem when the cyclone and also the tsunami uh, last two years, they dissolve everything. But now we start to renew everything, huh? just like the banana something like that. So things are starting to return to yeah, normal for you? Yeah, to return to normal thing, right? And that had a big impact on you as a farmer, I imagine, so... Yeah, it's very good. Now it's very good. Uh, everything yeah. is going back to normal. And what about temperatures, the differences in temperatures? How does that affect root crops and other crops that are, are quite prolific in Tonga? Uh, thank you. It was just a recent uh, uh, thought to us that uh, the temp rising temperature would affect uh, the, the production of tupas and also on fruits. Um, usually um, there was some uh, scientific uh, research saying that at 35 degrees, uh, maize will uh, produce fruits and will grow vegetatively. 
And the rice is also on the same uh, level, maybe 35 degrees. And uh, I just found out last year that the coconut won't uh, germinate or pollinate the flowers because it will be terminated at around 50 degrees. And at the summer temperature, the maximum temperature in Tonga is around 30 to 33 degrees. Do you get a chance to see and speak to farmers around Tonga and see how they feel about diversification as well and, and what they're thinking about the future? That's right. The, the problem with the farmers uh, nowadays, they uh, select the varieties with the lesser production cost. The shorter term varieties in cassava and the, the ones that uh, produce more of them. So we just brought in a new one uh, called Beru, from Peru. And everybody call it Peruvian uh, variety. And, and, and it, uh, you can harvest it around six to eight months. So everybody goes for it. So what we're trying to preach, this is not a substitution, this is an addition. So don't uh, abandon our local varieties. This is just an addition because in any disaster, you have a better chance with a lot more varieties. Yeah. Uh, just generally speaking, what do farmers say to you about um, diversification and, and also climate change and natural disasters and how that's affecting what they do? In general, not. They don't really care. Uh, all they care about is the, the harvest, the profit that they will make, and the, the market they are supplying. So, How do you feel about that as the agriculture minister? I think most of the older farmers, they understand what I'm trying to say. So it's a, I know it's going to be a big challenge, and it's a slow uh, recruitment of farmers to this new uh, uh, technology that they are trying to produce. And, and that's what we are trying to do, not to throw away our local ones or previous uh, varieties, but uh, please keep that up. Dr Viliami Manu, the Minister for Agriculture in Tonga. And thanks to Liliani from the Tonga Broadcasting Commission for her help with that story as well. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. If you're in Samoa, I'm sure that you would have seen some heavy rain recently, and maybe a lot of rain, so much that it led to flooding. Pacific Prepared reporter Maui Lutamose has this story from Samoa. Samoa was experienced heavy rain and floods on the west side of the big island of Savai'i on Thursday 8th of June 2023. Radio 2AP spoke with the Samoa Med Office Senior Officer, Silipa Mulitalo. He explained that due to heavy thunderstorms and lightning occurred at the most affected areas of Savai in the early morning is the reason of heavy rain and floods. <laughs> Silipa also said that heavy pours reached 100 millimeters raindrops in 24 hours in most parts of the country. But the most affected areas were over 200 millimeters raindrops in 24 hours. 
the convergence zone that impacted the group with heavy downpours and numerous floodings was relocated just south on the following day, hence the easing weather conditions as observed across the islands. <laughs> Silipa added that the heavy rain affected areas of the big island Savai'i in Fasalilianga, Vailoa and Satupaitea caused damages to the homes and infrastructures and these areas have experienced heavy thunderstorms and lightning in the morning. Due to heavy rain, Samoa Shipping Corporation inter-island services were also delayed due to poor weather situation. The Samoa Land Transport Authority, LTA, were at the crown for the infrastructure side of things. Some roads and bridges as well as schools were closed for people's safety. According to the CEO of LTA, Ngalumalemana Leotiti Swalga, there is a fund from World Bank available now to build the crossroad at Sapapali'i, which is one of the worst affected areas during heavy rain, and the other road called Malioli'o in Savai'i. Silipa of the Samoa Med Service said this is a dry season for Samoa and that is the reason why serious floods occurred during heavy rain. The soil is becoming more drier and the water find it hard to sink in during heavy pours. Thanks to Samoan-based Pacific Prepared reporter Maori Lutamose for that story. Disaster is part of our life and recovering is also part of our life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are. You are listening to Pacific Prepare. How do you get the world's attention? And if you do get that attention, what would you do with it? This is kind of the situation that Tuvalu found itself in recently when one of their ministers stood in the ocean and talked about how his country was going underwater. Pacific Prepared reporter Josiana Nunga has this story. Climate change continues to be the greatest threat for Tuvalu and other low-lying Pacific Island countries. Climate-related security risks, particularly rising sea levels, have threatened Pacific Islanders' overall livelihoods and well-being. This was stressed by Mr. Simon Coffey, Tuvalu's Minister for Communication, Justice and Foreign Affairs, as he called for solidarity to address the threat of climate change and sea level rise to global security. We, we do what we can do. Uh, I've, I've, I have this philosophy that um, we, we're not in control of others and, and the decisions that they make for themselves, but we are in control of, of, of ourselves. And so I want to dedicate my energy to what I can do. Uh, whether that uh, changes things or not, I, I sleep well at night, satisfied that I've, I've, I've done my, my part. And, mm. and I encourage uh, young people to, to have that same kind of uh, mentality and attitude because it can be discouraging at times. You come back, you feel defeated. Uh, you know, young people face all sorts of challenges. Even this conference, we were hearing uh, from some of the young people that their experiences of, of others looking down on them because of their age and uh, 
sort of discounting them because of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's important that we use that to, to build ourselves, to develop, make us strong, uh, make, motivate, motivate us and make us more resilient. Minister stated that the people of Tuvalu would continue to waste their concerns until some actions are taken by big emitting countries. Mr. Kofi, during the COP26 in 2021, recorded a speech standing knee-deep in seawater to highlight how his low-lying island nation has been on the front line of climate change. He said these environmental issues resulting from human-induced climate change present an urgent threat to the territorial sovereignty of low-lying island states, including Tuvalu. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tuvalu is at the forefront of the, of, of the climate crisis, and, um, which, which is probably the reason why we speak with, with greater urgency and conviction, because it's something that we live with on a day-to-day basis. And uh, I guess what we need to do is to convince uh, the bigger meters and those living in, in, the, in the bigger countries to, uh, to take this issue uh, seriously. I know it's difficult for people living in cities to, to understand, uh, you know, the, what we're going through in the Pacific. And so we have to find ways to communicate to them. And uh, I think, we, you know, from all the different COPS meeting that uh, we've, the Pacific has been participating in, we, it seems we always come back and we, we fall short of, of the, the, the targets and the goals that we, we've set for ourselves. And so I've taken the approach that we need to focus on, on uh, educating, raising awareness with the, the, the population, the, the wider population, uh, so that um, the people can put pressure on their leaders. They elect their leaders. They, they pressure their leaders to come up with uh, policies to address uh, climate change. And so, uh, I mean, I was fortunate enough that uh, our message in, at COP26 went, uh, went viral on, yeah. on, on the internet. It, we, we did not sit down and plan for it that way, but it turned out that way. And so we're, we're very thankful that it's brought greater attention to the issue of, of, of climate change. Uh, and I think it gives um, countries like Tuvalu in the Pacific that uh, there is a platform there for us. Um, through technology, we're able to, to reach the, the whole world. Uh, and in fact, for that COP26 uh, speech, I didn't attend physically to, to, the, to the meeting. In fact, I was just invited to speak at, the, at a side event. And, um, and so, so th- I mean, there's opportunities there for us. And, and, and I think for young people, that's their strength. They're they, uh, innovative, creative, you know, they're, they're, they're tech-savvy. Uh, and so we need to, to use that strength to... Uh, to enhance our advocacy effort. Mr. Koffe stated that youth participation during climate-related conferences or meetings or summits is critical during this trying time. Our ambition has always been to, to convince, persuade other countries to, to take stronger climate action so that we're able to meet the target of, of 1.5. Um, for me, I see my role more as, as uh, doing everything else, preparing preparing Tuvalu for, for, for the worst case, uh, worst case scenario. And that's what we, we launched, the, the Future Now project uh, in 2021, where we imagine a situation in the future where we lose our, our physical territory. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've come up with ideas of preserving our statehood, getting that recognition from, from other countries. And so there are 10 countries in the world that recognize our statehood as being permanent, regardless of the impact of climate change. We've also introduced this idea of a digital nation, 
that provides us a framework that enables us to continue to fulfill all our duties and responsibilities as a, as a state and, and, and also a platform to teach uh, our people and to share our culture with, with the world. Pacific Prepared reporter Josana Nunga reporting from Fiji. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP, SIBC Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and TBC Tonga. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.